shout of praise. Come on, we can give him a shout this morning. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we praise you. Amen. What an amazing morning we're having already. You may be seated. Do you know, Jesus said this once to his disciples. He said, boys, the fields are white unto harvest. There's harvest all around us. Now pray to the Father that he would send laborers into this great harvest field of people. This morning we have an amazing team of people. The Gideons, Glenn, Judith, Alan and Brenda and Pauline. And this, the team is bigger, you know, Glenn will let you know, the team is bigger than, than just uh, who are here this morning. But you know what? I tell you, when, when we met three years ago, I tell you, man, I, I was so blessed by this man, by, by uh, Glenn and Alan. We prayed at the, 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 at, the, at the front of the church midweek. Man, these guys, I tell you now, they've got a fire inside them for God. They love, I tell you now, you get, you get overcome by the love of God in their heart for people. And um, if there's somebody that I want to be like, it's like these two men. Whoa, man, great, great men that love people, love Jesus, first and foremost, love the church, and just have a hunger just to win people for Christ. It doesn't get any more difficult than that church. It really doesn't. So I want us to welcome this, this wonderful team this morning, and uh, Glenn's going to introduce them, but you are, you are in store for a great blessing this morning. So open your heart up, and uh, the table's at the back at the end, but these are laborers. And I, I, I tell you now, I want to be like them as all the way through the, through the rest of my life, and I hope you do too. Amen? Come on, let's welcome Glenn. You can all come up. We've got this lovely Chesterfield sofa as well for you to sit on. Come on, let's give him a, a real great round of applause this morning. What a blessing they are. I got to get organized first. Can you hear me? This is the first time I ever won one of these, and I think I'm like Haley there. Well, thank you for having us here to the King's Church. Thank you so much for your prayers and financial giving, and being partners in sharing Jesus to the world. You were wonderful to us, and I'd like to thank you so much. Just, I'm Glenn. This is my wife, Judith, next. Bre Brenda. Pauline, all you all know. And Alan. And we're going to speak to you today about different things. And Pauline is the latest member of the Gideons. And I know she is bursting to tell you about us. I hope she don't tell, us, tell you our faults. And Pauline's going to stand at the back of the church after by our display. Please come and see it and ask her about her experience of joining Gideon's. 
But before I start, there's a couple of thank yous I gotta give. I'd like to thank Dave and Faye for the thing, for bringing us here. Ailey and Marcia, they keep me in line. And Russell, for all his work, he helps me with the IT. But a really good special thanks to Alex and the Jesus Care Teams. They store the Bibles and we come in and they even put them in the cars for us. So thank you, Alex, and the Jesus Care Team. Do you know, in your food bags that went out to Christmas, two and a half thousand went out. One of these personal worker testaments went in every bag, and that team did it. But thank you for your financial giving. We couldn't do that without you. But what has happened in this last year? Well, last year, we was here, I mentioned about badge testaments. Well, the first one came up was this one, the granny's ring. And I'm looking at the screen to see if somebody's you recognize come up on there. Do you recognize that chap? <laughs> if you could read the little collar on his left hand shoulder, it says, Die the Vic. <laughs> well, we presented Dave with a Gideon presentation Bible because each organization we go to, we got to give a full Bible presentation Bible to the chaplain. But Dave had these for his Granny Rings Mountain Bike Club. And on the 27th of December, Dave packed his rucksack and cycled up a mountain to distribute those on our behalf. He's there. I, he must have perspired quite a bit cycling up with that lot. But he actually told me some of them refused when he first offered them. But when they went back for their meal after the cycle ride, some people come up to him and said, can I have one of those? So pray that God will use those mightily in his club. The other one we did this year, the Royal Monbyshire Engineers which have stationed in Monmouth. We supplied a hundred of these to give out to the chaplain there, to give out to the Royal Engineers. And in each one of these, in Dave's, and each one go out, there's a prayer. That's the Royal Engineer's prayer. Dave gave the prayer for the granny's rings. So they are there, all like that. The next thing that happened this year was strange. We got one prison in our area, us prison. And it's a sex offenders prison. And contacted the um, a chaplain there this year. And he invited us to go along and take 
part in the service in December, and two Gideons went along and took part. And he said, you can come anytime. But it always wasn't like that. Many years ago, we couldn't get in there. Prayers were sent up to heaven many times. Emails were sent. Telephone calls, answer machine left, nothing. And I said to God, Lord, show me something to inspire us in, in this work of Gideon's, that these Bibles we had given out show him fruit. And us prison would have been the last place that I would have thought anything would have come through. But, I'm just looking for my bit of paper. I got it, sorry. But a letter came from our headquarters, and this is what it said. I am serving two years in prison. I have found a copy of the Bible which says, placed by the Gideons. On looking through it, I came across a verse in Galatians chapter 5, verse 15, which said, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desire of the sinful nature. It was my sinful nature that caused me to do what I did. Knowing now that having lost my wife of many years, my children... And my home, there is a spirit that is still there to give me a reason to carry on. I have hope for the future. It is thanks to you, the Gideons, and your generosity in placing Bibles in the prison that I have been able to discover the power of the Holy Spirit. Please keep up the good work of putting these Bibles where even if many ignore them, some of us can find and through them come to a life in Jesus. I was blown away. I was blown away with it. And I thought, well, we still can't get into us prison. But each year we have a friends rally. And at that friends rally, we usually ask for a speaker who can give a testament. And we invited Steve James, I don't know if many any of you know him from Swansea, who goes into prison taking Christianity Explored. And at our friends rally, I said to him, Steve, we cannot get into us prisons. Oh, he said, no problem, he said. Come with me when I take a Bible study there. Oh, I said, that's great, let's go. So in a few weeks, we arranged, and two of us went on a Tuesday afternoon, and there was another man with Steve, and we went into us prison. Now, I don't know if any of you have been in prison, but you've got all the locks, the chains, the security go through. We were led to a room, not very big, about seven meters by about four or five meters, there for the Bible study. In came the prisoners now, or the inmates, I should call them, about 15 of them, all carrying a Bible. 
And thankfully, a lot of them was Gideon Bible. Well, we had this Bible study, and that was something special as well. But it was so packed in there, I found myself sharing a seat with a man in his, about his mid-50s, respectable-looking man. And after the, Bible, after the Bible study, I started talking to him. And I was talking, and I happened to mention this letter. You guessed it. He was the man. He told me this story. I'm going to call him Michael. I won't give his real name. He was formerly a teacher and taught religious studies and English. He had been brought up in a Christian environment. His father, and this is his words, was a priest. One Sunday morning, he was walking home from church looking forward to his Sunday lunch. But he felt very miserable and did not know why. When he arrived home, his world collapsed around him. The police was there. Something he had done 20 years previously had come back to haunt him, which resulted in him ending up in prison and losing his wife of 33 years, his children, and his home. He said he came into prison with nothing. Everything was lost, but he had found the Lord Jesus Christ. Michael was released, and I have checked once since, and has still gone along with the Lord. For me, it was a very humbling experience to hear this man to say that he had to come into prison to know Jesus. Please pray for these inmates who share very small cells. Pray that they be able to share and testify about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he is able to set them free, although they are in prison. So we're going to show a DVD after, which will cover the three subjects we're going to talk about tonight. And I'm going to ask Alan to come up now and talk about the schools. Well, I'll talk about the schools because I used to be a teacher many, many years ago. Uh, you can say, look at that old man now, he's not a teacher. Well, you know, uh, when Dave said he'd like to be uh, with us, etc., well, I'm 83. Dave, would you like to be with me, 83? <laughs> yeah. uh, but I want to tell you about something, uh, about Newport and the Lower Wye Valley area, where we got about 25 secondary schools, because our mission really is to go into secondary schools as they're entering the secondary school at the age of 11, and we go to about 25 of them. And in those 25 uh, schools, we give out about 200 Bibles a time. 200 times 25, I'm doing your maths for you, is? Oh, good, you can count as well. And 
over the 10 years that, the, say, the youngsters are just uh, entering the secondary school, in that time, we would have given out... Yeah, that uh, would have been uh, 5,000 times 10, 50,000 in 10 years. I've been in the Gideons 20 years, so guess how many I got? No, don't go into calculations. <laughs> but we give out a lot of Bibles. And the Bibles, when they're delivered, are delivered, majority of them will come here. And Alex does a wonderful job for us, and your leader team does a wonderful job by allowing us to bring the Bibles here because they're delivered by large lorry, as you can imagine. And you can imagine how many we want for just for the schools. I mean, that holds 100. And we've got to give out 5,000. Uh, 5, <laughs> it goes on and on and on. And they're heavy. Alex is strong. I'm getting weaker. And he's a great help to us. But those uh, Bibles are very, very helpful to us to take into the schools because there's something special about the Bibles we give them. You will have seen them. There's some more up in the, uh, up on the end there with our store. We've got um, fish in my pocket, and I'll show you one. You might well have had one yourself. I wonder if anybody here has had one of these Bibles that looks like that. Yes, the little red Bible. Yes, well, we go into the schools and we give those out, and... I say we're 25 Bibles, there's, there's 25 schools, there's 27 schools in the Newport and Lower White Valley area, and some schools won't let us in. Pray for them. There's been a few schools like that in the past, and we've asked for prayer, and we now can get in. But there are some schools that they say, oh, no, no, we mustn't do that. No, it's not quite right according to culture, and they go on absolute rubbish. What it means that there's an eternal no man in charge. And that might be a teacher, might be the head, but they won't let us in, which is a de depriving those children of scriptures. And we've given out a lot of scriptures, as you've seen, by waving those bits of paper in front of you. And if you're depriving those children, what are they going to be like if someone starts talking about religious things? Well, they won't know much about it. But at least if these Bibles are in somebody's house, they might be stashed away somewhere, at least they know where to go to look. Because in the front of these Bibles, it is slightly special, uh, in the front of the Bible, there's an index that tells you where to look. You don't have to pick up the Bible and randomly open it. Some people do that. They might get a message, but it's not the most teachable way. In the front of this, there's a, a whole um, index of what to look for, and it tells you the pages, if you're afraid of circumstances, if you're being bullied. I'm talking about the children now. I don't think, uh, don't think any children here are being bullied, are you? No, that's good. You didn't say yes. That's good. So they're not being bullied. And there's a whole section on if you're choosing a career, which pages to look at. And you turn to those pages and read them. And they're most encouraging. Most encouraging, because it seems when they read that, God has chosen that a, mo a moment in life to read it, and it opens up in their, in their life. So there's a whole lot of teachable things in that. And we're able to go into colleges as well. We, last week, we were, went into a college we hadn't been to before in Nash, and we didn't know what we were going to do there. We give out Bibles in cross keys, and we give out about four to 500 Bibles every year. 
uh, on a morning and afternoon. And you know, the students are so polite, so pleasant, and I mean, they're much taller than me, um, but, uh, but they're extremely polite, it's wonderful. And we went to this new one in Nash College, and we didn't know what, how, what our reception was going to be. I didn't actually go to that one. They were good though, Glenn, weren't they? They were, they were polite, they were pleasant, and they were asking for Bibles. And by the afternoon, I think they gave out 400, 400 Bibles in one day. And, <clears throat> but you see, they've got to ask for it. Because what we're not allowed to do in schools or anywhere else is go up to somebody and say, do you want a Bible? We've got to put them on the table and say, Bibles are available. And the pupils come along and take what they want. And we do that with the students, although sometimes with a conversation you can have with students that are going around, it's a more sensible conversation. And we can give out the Bibles quite happily and show them the index in the front. So we'd be most encouraged by that. Just to give you one more hint before Brenda takes over, we give out Bibles. I'm talking just about the schools, and that's one of our biggest outreaches. I always require help. As any volunteers like us, speak to us afterwards. But we give out Bibles in the hospitals and the um, hotels and whatever, a whole lot, in the Newport and uh, Y Valley area, but also in Britain. But just out of curiosity in the world, we're doing Bible distribution, as you can imagine. In five days, five days, we give out a million every Five days. That's incredible. You can do the calculations and work out that, how many that is a year. Uh, but they, people are eager to receive them. Do you know in Britain about 20 or 30% of the people don't take them up to read? Um, in other countries, they're queuing up in the streets, stopping police cars and say, you know, we're in this queue. What are you doing here? We're waiting for a Bible. So the policeman in one country got out of the car and joined the queue. And they want the Bibles eagerly. Now, as in this country, we are, <coughs> we're getting less and less encouragement to read. I don't know if you're a reader or not of, of uh, literature or Bibles, whatever. But if we um, give in to the fact that people don't uh, read themselves, what we've got is a little thing like that plenty of them at the back there, and it's just a bookmark. But on the bookmark it says, <clears throat> if you want to read the Bible, download this free app. And you know, youngsters say, free app? You know, I've got something great, yeah. So we, we have this free app, and all you've got to do is put in Gideon Bible, and there it is in front of you. You can take your pick. You can download it, and it gives all the things that's in this little red book. The index as well, everything. And we give out a lot of those. I got a lot here if you want one. Uh, but that's the area of schools, and it's a small area. Brenda's going to talk about the hotels, I think. I better pick up my bits and pieces of rubbish here. I don't at all normally. <laughs> Hotels. How did Gideon work begin? It began in the late 1890s, so about 120 odd years ago. 
It began with two men who met in a hotel. They had to share a room. They didn't know each other. They had to share a room. And they both, when they got in their room, before they went to bed, each took out a Bible, read it, and then said their prayers. That was the beginning of the Gideon work. It grew. They decided, wouldn't it be a good idea if whenever you went into a hotel, you'd find a Bible there ready for you to read. So that's what they did. They each bought a box of Bibles and they took them with them wherever they went and offered them to the hotels. The work soon spread. You've heard Alan say how many Bibles we give, that the Gideon movement all over the world give out in five days. Now, hotels. It's good when you go into a hotel and there in your locker or on your bedside cabinet, you find a Gideon Bible. Now, the, the Bibles that we put in the hotels are complete Bibles, not just the New Testament and Psalms, a complete Bible. They're very important in those, um, on those lockers. A lot of people, if you analyse people in a hotel, a lot of them are on their own. They may be there for a multitude of reasons, probably because they're, they're perhaps reps for a company and they, they, they're sleeping in a different hotel each night. They may be on holiday. All sorts of different reasons why they might be there. Many of them have a lot of problems. They have problems with their work. They have problems perhaps in their marriage. They have problems in relationships with other people. There's a multitude of sort of problems that people might have. That Bible can be a source of inspiration and great change for their lives. We have many testimonies of people who've gone to a hotel, some even as desperate as about to commit suicide. And they pick up the Bible. They met, there's one wonderful story we, we have of a, of a man who saw a Bible there and threw it on the floor. And he picked it and tried to kick it under the bed. But there was a board round the edge of the bed and it wouldn't go under the bed. It bounced back out again and he picked it up. And the first word he saw when he looked at that Bible was, God loves you. We don't know how God works. He has his own ways of working. But many people can testify how much they found that Bible of help to them. They, they speak of, of being aware that God loves them so much that he sent his son to die on a horrible cross for something that he didn't do. And he did it in your place and in my place. He died for the person who's reading the Bible. And this has transformed their lives. They forget their own. Some of them, they start to read. They can't put it down because they get really interested in what they're reading. And they seek to find out more about Jesus. 
and many of them can testify to a complete transformation in their lives. For this reason, it's important that that Bible is in every bedroom. But unfortunately today, we are increasingly finding that hotels will say, no, we don't want your Bibles. Political correctness. We must pray about this because it's important that that Bible is at that bedside. If you go to a hotel and you don't find a Bible in your room, what should you do? Go down and complain. Go to the reception and say, I really thought that a hotel of this standing would have a Bible in the locker. Why is there not a Bible there? At the end of your stay in a hotel, they often give you a form to fill in to, to find out how well they did, what was their service like. Well, tell them. Say, it would be much better if I could have found a Bible here. Why not write to the headquarters of that hotel group? By doing these kind of things, we're finding that hotels begin to change their attitudes. Some of them will say, okay, we'll have some, but we'll put them in reception and, and people can ask for them. That's no good. They need to be in the room. It's in a room that a lonely person will be looking round for something to do while they're in that room. They need that Bible in their bedside cabinet. Please pray that the Lord will open doors for us in, these, in this way. Here in Newport, here in the town centre, there are about five different hotels in process of being built. Some of them should be open fairly soon and we'll be there knocking on the door can we put Bibles in your room? Please pray for us that God will enable those hotel owners and managers to allow us in. Now, I'd like to read you um, a testament from somebody, somebody who was not desperate, not about to commit suicide, just an ordinary person going into a hotel. This is what it says. Some years ago, I was a candidate for a senior post in the education department of a local authority in the northeast of England. It was a big promotion for me, but I was a very, very uncertain about how successful I would be. On the night before the interview, I was called for an interview, and on the night before the interview, after an informal meeting with the other candidates and the interview panel, I was settling into my hotel room and beginning to wonder what last-minute swatting I ought to do to ensure I got this job. My briefcase was stuffed full of relevant literature and I laid it out on the bed and stood perplexed at the array of potential bedtime reading. I picked up first one document and then another, 
but my nerves were beginning to get the better of me and I didn't know which one to focus on. It was then that I opened the top drawer of the bedside cabinet and took out the Gideon Bible that I had hoped would be there. I looked in the front of the Bible and read the list of various methods and states of mind with the suggested verses to read from the Bible to help me. I read words like anxious, worried, perplexed, and thought, I'm one of those. In the end, my attention was drawn to some verses from Proverbs 3, verse 5, where I read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. I thought and prayed about these words, and then put all those education papers back in my briefcase without reading another word. I believed that the Lord was telling me that I'd done enough preparation and now I had to trust him and get a good night's sleep. I did. And the next day I went through two interviews, the second of which was in front of 66 councillors, 12 chief officers, a public gallery full of people from the local community. And I got the job. Thanks to the Gideon Bible, in that hotel Bible, I was able to receive God's timely assurances and to hear him asking me to trust him. I'm glad I did. We are just going to show you now a short DVD on those three things we have just spoken about, prisons, schools, and hotels. Thank you, Russ. Every hour of the day, every day of the year, in nearly 200 countries, members of the Gideons International seek to win the lost for Christ as they place and present God's Word. My family didn't have any connection with church or God or faith or anything like that. First started thinking about God and religion was through school. There was a special assembly on and if we wanted to we could choose to go to that assembly. There was somebody there from the Gideons um, which I'd never heard of, never come across before. There was some sniggering um, but he, he wasn't phased by that at all. He talked about what the Bible meant for him. He just said if anybody would like to um, have one of our Bibles um, we'll gladly give you one, you can take it away and I'd encourage you to read it. What was to lose from, from taking away one of these little red books? I was a bit embarrassed about having a Bible, that there wasn't one in the house, I, I didn't tell my parents and I saw at the front there was a little space where you write your name so I wrote my name in, in the Bible and um, I found the reading plan. I'd read it when I went to bed and I, would, uh, I wouldn't put the light on because I was worried that my 
uh, perhaps we'll see the light under the under the door. So I would uh, read it by the, the light coming in from outside. I had a lamppost outside my bedroom window. My best friend at the time was a guy called Mike, and what I didn't know about him was that he went to church, and what he didn't know about me was that I was reading a New Testament. But then eventually um, it came out, and um, Mike invited me to a special event that they were having at their church. So on the Sunday morning, the preacher was speaking, and as he was speaking, I suppose the pennies started to drop. And at the end of the service, um, if anybody wanted to make a new start with God, they could commit their lives to Christ. I, I went forward, knelt down, and he led us in a prayer of commitment. And I look back at that time as a, as a time when I made a definite decision uh, to follow Christ. Um, as a young child of three, when my father left the home, when my parents divorced, it broke my heart. I became quite unhappy and by the time I was 15 I was taking drugs and drinking a lot of alcohol and I dropped out of school by the age of 25. just really thought what's the point of living and I decided that I wanted to end my life. My mum lived up north and had a small hotel up there and she said I could stay in one of the rooms there. I stopped off on the way to um, see my brother and his wife, my sister-in-law began to tell me about Jesus. There was a little conflict going on in, in my head, you know, what if this is real? What if it isn't? What if it is? So I said to my sister-in-law, what do I do? She, uh, she said, we just pray. So that's when I got down on my hands and knees and I prayed and I asked him to forgive me. All I can say is that I, I was filled with hope. I left her home to go up north to stay at my mum's hotel. And uh, I ended up in this hotel room and I sat there and I saw a Bible. At the beginning of each Bible that's placed by the Gideons, there's helps in every situation or any circumstance that you're going through. As I was reading the Bible, God led me to scriptures that he knew that I needed. It was as if God was just sat there next to me on the bed, speaking words of love and peace straight into my heart. If that Bible hadn't have been there in that hotel room, I don't really know whether I'd be here now. I was the only kid in my class that didn't have a real mum and dad at home. And when I discovered that, I was so worried. And my way of dealing with that trouble, that anxiety, was to make some bad choices. By the time I was 17, I'd been arrested and found myself on remand in Dorchester Prison. I thought to myself, what have I done with my life? I'd filled my life with darkness and I felt the only escape was to kill myself. So I made a rope out of a sheet on the bed. And it was at that point of trying to commit suicide, at the very verge of leaning forward, it felt like an invisible hand reached out of nowhere, gently yet firmly, pushing me back against the wall, taking the noose off around my neck, and lowering me slowly yet gently to the floor. I didn't know it then, but a group of Christians from a Baptist church in Bournemouth had been praying about me. They'd read my case in the paper. They dared to believe that God could hear and answer their prayers. I was put into a cell on my own, and there I was locked up for 23 hours a day. I had nothing to do. I was bored out of my head. And then on the floor, I saw a book. I picked it up out of boredom. And it turned out to be a Gideon Bible. And I began to read the gospel. I read that there was a God in heaven that loved me 
got on my knees and I cried out to God. Christ came into my heart. I was locked up inside a prison and yet I was the freest person in that prison. It was fantastic. Jesus has made the difference. Members of the Gideons International place over 85 million Bibles a year in schools, colleges, universities, hotels, hospitals, prisons, armed forces, uniformed services, and many other areas of everyday life. Here's a scary thought. What would have happened if I hadn't read the Bible? What would have happened if the Gideons hadn't placed a Bible in my prison? What would have happened if people hadn't prayed for the work of the Gideons, maybe given finance to purchase scriptures to put inside prison? It was only because someone from the Gideons came into my school and gave me a New Testament that I started to read it, and it was through that that I found uh, faith in Christ. I was just very grateful that that Bible was there when I needed a Bible. The prison officers said that I would die inside prison, that I'd be buried within the prison walls. That was my lot, that was my destiny. And yet I read the pages of the Bible and everything changed. thought about the international scene this morning um, as I would like to say like Glyn though but thank you so much for all your help and your prayerful support and your financial support for us without you we couldn't be doing all that we're doing and we're so very grateful um, Gideon's UK have now teamed up with ShareWord Global to go around to other countries in the world with with Bibles and I'd like to think there's some Countries coming up now, where they're going at the moment? They go to 21 countries, and the husbands and wives from the Gideons, if they would like to go, they can go on these trips with them, with each other now. So that's, that's lovely for them to be able to go. And I would ask you to pray for these couples as they go. Pray for their safety and travel, and for all they do, because they do a tremendous work when they go out with other teams from all these countries to give out Bibles. Um, I'm going to, we're going to show you a, a DVD. I'm going to read a testimony first, but we're going to show you a DVD about India where a dear brother and his wife from the Gideons went out and they placed over 20,000 Bibles while they were there in India. But before we show that one, I'm just going to read you a testament from, from India anyway. And it's got a funny head and it says, Salvation Message Inside a Hen Pen. I was born in a very pious Hindu family in a small town in South India. Right from my childhood, I was brought to be fervent for my gods. I was taught to pray and chant the mantras. When I was 10 years old, I had developed a desire to be able to pray to all my gods and goddesses in English, but there was no one to teach me how. My parents took me to a farmhouse of a friend. While I was there, I found a Gideon New Testament covered in filth inside a birdcage. One day, while I was reading Psalm 115, I read these words, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see, 
ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell, hands that do not handle, feet that do not walk. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. I suddenly realized that I had been worshiping these idols for all these years. These words brought me to salvation in the living God, Jesus Christ. I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. I faced severe opposition from my family. But in the midst of all my struggles, the Lord my God never left my side. Today, I serve as a regional pastor at the Indian Pentecostal Assembly, where over 5,000 worship the Lord Jesus every week. Amazing testimony. So we're going to show you this testimony now from India, and I'm sure you'll be thrilled when you watch it. Thank you. So we are right now in a very remote and interior village, very far from the city. If anyone has to get a copy of their Bible, they have to travel all the way to Bangalore and get it for themselves. So it takes about one full day. Well, dear brother Samson, collecting thousands of names of people who are desperate for Bibles. He felt God was calling him to collect these names. He collected 250,000 names. getting the word of God out by the pastors. It's partnering with other God's people to make sure the maximum impact to the gospel is felt all over the world. We see 20,000 boxes all lined up and seeing the smiles on the faces of the pastors when they realise that churches were going to be receiving God's word. And being able to go into some of these pastors' homes and seeing a tiny room packed with people sitting on the floor as close as they could, waiting to receive the Bible. For me, this trip has moved me more than I ever thought possible. As you will have seen from that video, 
we had the most amazing time in India. It was humbling and yet exciting. I don't think I can ever explain what it was like to go into a room with 20,000 Bibles, which you, as members of the Gideons UK, had actually funded. And all these pastors, some of who had traveled a couple of days to be there, go into that room and see their excitement at seeing the Bibles there. There were tears. They got excited, they, chased, they lifted them up and almost cheered because most of those churches had no copies of God's word at all. And here it was in their own country. This is exciting because God is giving us an open door to take the word of God into these two countries. And we want to say thank you to you for your prayers for that visit. God indeed went before and we were very, very conscious of his blessing, his preservation, but above all, excited by what he's doing through the distribution of his word in those two countries. Do you know this church, you, were a part of that? 20,000 Bibles, and it's only the start. All praise and glory to God. There. Well, just to finish off, a quick couple of prayer points. Alan mentioned schools with closed doors. Pray that young people at an early age can have that Bible to guide them through life. It will be their rock. Pray that the doors will stay open. Bible blitzes have begun out through the country, London, Glasgow, up in Scotland. Pray for the word given out. And pray for wisdom for Gideons as we start on a new chapter with Share with Global and other organizations in partnership. And you notice up here, I know I am going to hair, but I also know I'm getting a look older. And we look across there, and Alan mentioned, we want new Gideons, younger people, men, women, to help us, to pass this baton on to them so people can have the word of God with them all the time. And all that we do and say is all glory and honor to God, whatever the Gideons are achieving. And thank you as a church for your partnership with us. Come on, let's show our appreciation to Glyn, Judith, Alan, Brenda, and Pauline again. You know, we're going to continue to pray for them, but what an amazing partnership we have with this South Wales branch of the Gideons. And to know that our giving and our partnership with them reaches so many different people groups, from, from young people in schools, to people in hospital, to people in hotels, and, and many other uh, uh, areas as well, where the Bibles are going out. It's such a privilege for us, you know, to be a part of that. You know, when, um, when, when we originally met, it was amazing, you know, that... Um, they, Glyn uh, initially said to me, he said, oh, he said, we've got a bit of a problem. 
he said, uh, our storage for Bibles, the storage place that we have at present, they, they've told us we can no longer store the Bibles there any longer. And um, he said, please pray with us that we would be able to find a place to store them. I tell you, I didn't need to pray very long. I thought, do you know what? God's trusted us with food, and that's a wonderful blessing, but now he's going to trust us with helping the Gideons to store real food, the real food that people need. And what a privilege it is, Glenn, for us to, Alan, uh, ladies, what a privilege it, it is for us as a church because we do this. It's not the decision of one or two. This is a decision that, that, that the whole church are behind this partnership we have with the Gideons. We're all behind this, and you know, you know this, but we store these Bibles. It's not a decision that, that is just down to one, two. Well, I may have to make a decision, but I make it on behalf of everybody, and there's an amen. In, in, in our hearts and we, we are behind you and we will pray but we want to we counted how many counted a great honor to store the word of God and to 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 hold the word of God for these people do you know uh, uh, Alex and the team will not allow them to lift a box to their car they will not they they load the and what a privilege it is you know, if our little part is just to store the Bibles and take them to their cars, what an honor it is to handle the Word of God and serve them. But we want to encourage you as well, you know, if you would like to be a part of the team, if you'd like, I'd like to come out one day, Glenn. I, I really would. I really would. I'd love to come out with you one day into the schools. I'd love that. We'll, we'll arrange it. I'd love, to, I'd love to see it. But if you would, do you know what? This is a trustworthy organization, right? It's a trustworthy organization, credible organization, carrying the word of God. And um, if, you, if, if you've got time, you know, to give, I know many of us are working, but if, the, if, if you have got time to give and it's on your heart to, to, to be a part of the team, Alan and uh, Glenn and the team can let you know exactly what that means. And if you can't, that's fine. There's no, please, there's no heavy, you know, um, nobody's breathing down your neck to do it. But, but because we're all in this harvest together, amen, wherever we are, we're lifting up his name and uh, we're bringing praise to his name wherever we are. But we want to thank you this morning. We really do. And uh, as, they, as they leave now, come on, let's, let's give them. They're going to be at the back. Let's, let's honor them and thank them. We're going to stand to our feet. Right now, the musicians are going to come. And um, we are going to be giving a financial gift to the Gideons, to this local chapter in our Heart for the House service on the 29th of September. A portion of our offering is going to be given to uh, the Gideons and we're going to be giving to His Church Charity and also to Vision Rescue. Uh, we're going to be blessing them as well. So we've got lots of things ahead where we're going to be um, imparting financially as a church. But you may be here today just before we close. You may be here today. And you know what? You may never have prayed that prayer, asking Jesus into your heart. You've never prayed a prayer, asking Jesus into your heart. 
I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And I'm going to ask us all to pray it. And if you want to ask Jesus into your heart for the first time, I want you to pray this prayer out with us and believe it. And you know what? A miracle will happen inside. Jesus will give you the peace that you're searching for. He'll give you the peace that you need, the forgiveness, the love that we all so desperately crave in a moment, in a prayer. You'll have access to that as he comes into your heart. Can we all pray it together? And especially if you've never prayed this prayer, but you know this morning from what you've heard and seen, you want to pray this prayer. Pray it with us. We're all going to pray it together and believe in your heart as you call on his name. A miracle will begin right now. Let's pray it together. Let's just say this. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all my sin. I want you to be my savior. Today, I want to hand ownership of my life over to you. I believe from this day forward, my life will be brand new as a result of you living in my heart. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And you live forevermore. I thank you today for your peace. I am now God's child. Amen. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic.